0: So uh- Thank you.
1: Good morning. Welcome to each one of you. It's a blessing to be here. Greetings in Christ's precious name. I think I have a little different sermon for me at least. Normally I take a text and go with it. But this morning I have a comparison. And it's a comparison between your physical heart and your spiritual heart. Your physical heart is a hollow muscle that pumps blood through the bu- pumps blood through the blood vessels by repeated rhythmic contractions. Cardiac muscle is an involuntary straighted muscle tissue found only in this organ and responsible for the ability of the heart to pump blood. In an average lifetime, the heart will beat about 2.5 billion times without ever pausing to rest. Like a pumping machine, the heart provides power needed for life. Now, in Scripture, when the heart is referred to, it is referring to the place of conscious and decisive spiritual activity, the place to which God turns. Proverbs 4.23, it says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And I'm using the end of that verse a little bit more than the beginning because out of it are the issues of life. It says, keep it. Be careful. Because this is a very important spot. And I want you to guard it. Romans 10:9 says what the heart can do. If thou shalt confess thy, with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So your heart determines your destiny. What you do with your heart determines your destiny. If your heart is turned toward God, you will lead a certain kind of life. If your heart is turned toward self and the world, you will lead a different kind of life. Your physical heart acts as a double pump. The function of the right side of the heart is to collect deoxygenated blood from the body and to pump it into the lungs so that carbon dioxide can be dropped off and oxygen picked up. The left side of the heart collects oxygenated blood from the lungs into the left atrium, and from the left atrium, the blood moves to the left ventricle and is pumped throughout the body. Your spiritual heart is the part of your being where we desire. Deliberate and decide. The comprehensive term for a person as a whole, his feelings, desires, passions, thought, understanding, and will is referred to when the Bible, Scripture speaks of the heart or when we talk about somebody's heart. John 12, verse 30, verses 33 through 37 says, Make the tree good and its fruit good or else make the tree corrupt." And his fruit crop. for the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that a man shall speak, they shall give account of thereof in the day of judgment." For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. You can tell a man, you can tell what's inside his heart by how he talks all the time, not just on Sunday. Your heart reveals, your words reveal what's inside of you. It says, a good man bringeth forth a good treasure. And an evil man bringeth forth an evil treasure. It says your words will justify you or your words will condemn you. Mark 12, 29. And and Jesus answered and said unto him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. It is the first commandment. And the second is lacking to it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other comm- greater commandment than these. So your heart is included in how you're supposed to love the Lord. And in fact, it's the first thing in the list. If you have God's love in your heart, loving your neighbor is a piece of cake. Not always, but it should come easy. Matthew 15, verse 15 says, Then Peter answered and said unto him, Declare unto us this parable. And Jesus said, Are ye also yet without understanding? Do not ye yet understand that whatsoever goeth in at the mouth, goeth into the belly, and is cast out into the draught? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, they defile a man for out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts murders adulteries fornications thefts false witness blasphemies these are, are the things which defile a man but to be eaten but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man so the pharisees were saying that eating with unwashed hands made you a sinner and Jesus is saying no what's inside here what's inside here is what determines what a man's real character is they are what will defile a man not to eat with unwashed hands the heart is so important i read a lot of scripture there but the heart needs to be guarded It is the seat of you, what makes you, you. And if you are turned toward God, if your love is toward God, it will show in your actions, in your deeds, in your speech, in what your desires are, on what you do on a daily basis. It will determine where you go, what you do, Because it's the seat of your desires. Okay, please turn with me to Luke 8, verse 5. This is the parable of the sower. And the seed that fell in a good heart brought forth abundantly. But the seed that fell otherwise didn't do so good. And this is a very familiar passage, Luke 8, verse 5. A sower went out to sow his seed, and he sowed, and some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it, and some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, sprung up, it withered, and because it lacked moisture, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns Sprang up with it and choked it, and others fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit an hundredfold. And he said unto, and when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said unto you, It is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables that seeing they might not see and hearing they might not understand. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear, and then cometh the devil, and taketh away the seed out of their hearts, lest they should should believe and are saved. They on the rock are they, which when they hear, receive the word with joy, And these have no root, which for after a while, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation, fall away. And that which fell among thorns are they, which when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures or desires of this life and bring forth no fruit and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, bring it forth. I'm sorry, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Now, in this passage, the heart of man is the soil and the seed is God's word. It is capable, your heart is capable of receiving it and bringeth forth fruit. But it will not bring forth fruit unless seed is sown in it. Good seed. And it will not bring forth anything valuable unless the seed is placed in the heart, and it's a good heart that is prepared and ready and cultivated. And then after the seed is sown, care is taken to help that seed grow into a, a mature plant. Um, Jeremiah 17, 7 says, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out her fruits by the river and shall not see when he cometh, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the day of drought, neither shall cease from yielding it. Verse 9 is what we hear a lot. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That is a question. Who can know it? The answer is, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. I read that passage right after the parable of the soils because of this. I can think, we can think that I, that we have a good heart And we can be wrong. God knows. We can be deceived. We need to ask God to help us make sure that our heart is good, that my desires are good. God will help us know if we ask him in truth and and wanting to know. We need to have a pliable heart. There is the hard heart, the rocky heart, the weedy heart. We need a soft, pliable heart. Now, I also found it interesting that in the verse right before, um, let's see, in Jeremiah, I got to go back in my notes here, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Who is that? Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, whose hope the Lord is. What was you hoping for yesterday? What were your desires for yesterday, for Saturday, for Friday? Now, on Sunday, we hope for the Lord, right? We come here and we worship. But what was our endeavors for yesterday? Did it involve God and his kingdom? The people that make God their desire, that make God the center of their heart, will be like the tree that never lacks for nourishment. Brothers and sisters, there are so many people in this world seeking nourishment from the wrong places, and it satisfies to a degree, but it does not fill that God-sized void in the heart of man. Where? Do we go for our nourishment? Where do we go to find what our heart needs? There is a place for nourishment it's right here. Brothers and sisters, we have so many of these sitting around our home that we should never lack for nourishment. Now, I have found it interesting. This morning, we announced a new endeavor on Saturday. A new endeavor for Saturday. Your heart, whether you're here or not, will show the desires of your heart. I understand that's a hard statement. I don't want to be too brutal, but what are are our most heartfelt desires? Are we going to be chasing after other things or are we going to be where we receive nourishment and where we, can spe- where we can share nourishment with others. Okay, so the wayside, the, in the parable, the wayside was hard soil. And the, the seed landed and the birds came and picked it up, picked it took it away. Why was that heart hard? Was there bitterness there? Was there pride there? Was there... Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't say, but it was hard. And Satan, who is always active, who is always ready to take the the word away, to, to keep us from having a heart that's ready to go, ready to grow. Satan is always active. Why was that hard, hard? I don't know. There's many reasons why it can be. So then we have the heart that is rocky. So there's good dirt there, and there's also hard rocks. And so the seed may come and take root, and then it dies when there's temptation. And I had to look into my own life at some of the rocks that may keep me from growing to be what we should be. And I think maybe my own desires at times keep me from, my own fleshly desires keep me from spiritually being what we should be our sin in our lives, desires that, or, desires that overshadow and keep us from growing spiritually. And then there's the thorn, thorny ground. And Jesus shared a little bit more on that. Thorns are de- described here as cares, riches, and pleasures. And that sounds like materialism. Things that I want. Money. Getting more wealth and taking care of that wealth and the things we have can consume us and take our eyes off the most important thing. Some of the cares we have, we put on ourselves like hobbies and our desires for pleasure and fun. That can, that can um, really take our eyes off of Jesus. And when our eyes get taken off of Jesus, the seed is sown and dies. Good ground brings forth good fruit. It is an honest and pure heart, a heart that is well disposed to receive instruction and commandment, a heart that is free from sinful pollution and fixed firmly on God. It's an upright heart, a tender heart, a heart that trembles at the word of God. And then after the seed is sown, it bears forth fruit that all can see. It bears forth fruit that other Christians recognize. It bears forth fruit that speaks to the world around it. Now, your physical heart, when you have a healthy physical heart, there is vitality there. There is strength there's endurance. There's mental clarity and vitality. When someone that has a good heart, good circulation, there's also signs of failing physical hearts, there's breathlessness. Shortness of breath when the heart begins to fail, blood backs up in the veins, attempt and in the veins that are attempting to carry oxygenated blood from the lungs to the heart. As fluid pools in the lungs and interferes with normal breathing, and I could go on. I have a lot of symptoms. There's fatigue. As heart failure come, becomes more severe, the heart is not able to pump blood to meet all the body's needs. Coughing, wheezing, rapid heartbeat. There's a lack. Of, of appetite or nausea, mental confusion, impaired thinking, fluid building up and, or swelling, and rapid weight gain because of edema. That is signs of a physically failing heart. And there are many scriptures that talk about the poor uh, condition of a poor heart, but most of them are coupled with a remedy, for having a good heart. And we already looked at Jeremiah seven seventeen nine. The heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? And the Lord says, I search the heart. I know the heart. I try the reins and give to every man according to his ways and according to his fruit. So let God search your heart. That will help us recognize what is in our heart. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Hearts can become burdened because of different things. I know that we hear, we repeatedly pray for unsaved family members. That can burden your heart. And I think rightfully so. I think God wants us to be burdened with the plight of man and their sinful condition. But we give that to God. But when our heart is burdened because of sin in our own life, Jesus says, come unto me. I will give you rest. I will take that burden from you and replace it with a lightness like you've never known. I will give you a heart that is pure, that is is peaceable and has the joy of the Lord in it. And that's what we want. When you have a heart like that, life is a joy. Life is a true joy. There are moving to the physical heart, there are some stealthy heart problems. Coronary heart prob- coronary heart problems or hardening of the arteries. Things that slowly take you down, but unless you stop and take note, you would never miss it. My grandfather, Simeon Heatwell, was a victim of this. He had a quadruple bypass surgery, and they told him if he'd have sat in his chair for six months, six, they said he, would, he looked fine, but they said he would have died in six months sitting in his chair. It was just slowly taking him down. This very thing can happen to us spiritually. We need to keep our eyes open and have God's word shining into our into our lives. If we don't, things can just slowly creep in. We can boil the frog slowly, and sin is deceitful. We hardly recognize that we're moving, yet... If you are in God's word continually, if you are meeting with His saints, there is a lot of safety there. There's a lot of safety. Hebrews three verses seven through 13, Wherefore? lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And then there we have it again, the deceitfulness of sin. And sometimes if you listen to a person who's talking about his own actions and how he views it, you you think, how did he ever get to this place? How did he ever come to the place where he thinks what he's doing is okay? And then you realize the deceitfulness of sin, but I must realize it can happen to me and it can happen to you. And so we must beware. And if you are one that has had Sin in, their, in your life for a time, it's hard to get a proper view of that sin. It is for me and for you. Sin is to be hated. Sin is to be despised. And sin can harden our hearts to the grievousness that sin is to God. And we don't realize it, that we're hardened. Because sin just, it hardens you. Those that had a hardened heart did not go to the place of rest in this passage. They missed going to the promised land. And unless we have a pliable, moldable heart that is turned toward God and he can work with, we will also miss our promised land. And that would be so, so sad. And I'm sure you have seen people that no matter how they were talked to and pled with, They didn't realize what their actions were, what they were doing. And I think that just goes to show the deceitfulness of sin and how I need to be careful that that sin does not come into my heart and deceive my heart. James 1, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth, deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. This man's religion is in vain. Talks about the deceiving of his own heart and how he, how he controls his tongue. Now... On the physical side, maintaining a good diet and exercise is important for heart health. All the foods you eat affects the health of your heart. Total fat intake should be less than 30% of total calories daily. Sodium intake should be no more than 3,000 milligrams. And this did not come from me. Beware of the chemicals in your food like caffeine, MSG, and other food additives. Our intake is very important. If we live on Twinkies, you will be unhealthy eventually. There's just no getting around it. And I didn't suck that caffeine thing out of my thumb, Dave. Exercise, a sedentary lifestyle, is one of the top risk factors of heart disease. Fortunately, it is a factor you can do something about. Regular exercise, especially aerobic exercise, has many benefits. On the side of your spiritual heart, wherefore, lay lay aside all filthiness, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only." Deceiving your own selves. So it says, Get rid of self and its desires and bring on God's nature, engraft in the Word of God, that it can, the seed can take root and save your soul. And it says, Don't just hear the Word, do the Word. Because it seems like here it says, and not hears only deceiving your own selves. Brothers and sisters, in today's time, are there more people that think the, going to church and not letting the Word affect their daily life is okay? Don't we see that across the board, how the Word of God is not taken into daily life? It says deceiving your own selves, James 1.22 Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. And then in 2 Timothy, it talks about Scripture. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. We want to be that perfect man of God. I hope each one of us here Wants to be that perfect man of God, but it tells us the way to get there: spending time in the Word. It is profitable. It is profitable. You want to do something that is profitable? I think Glenn said it in in his devotions this morning that exercise profiteth little. This profiteth much. This profiteth much. Spending time in the Word. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That you may have be furnished with all good works, but it has to take root here first. Good works without having the word in here is, well, you can read 1 Corinthians 13. It's the, charity chap- the chapter on charity. It does no good unless you have it in here. We talked about physical food a little bit, and eating Twinkies. If the majority of what you take in is from the world, and I guess I'll leave it there because you could go into politics, news, sports, hobbies, whatever. If the majority of what you take in is from the world, what do you think your heart's going to be? If you take in the majority of your, of your intake from the world and you get several minutes of the word, it would be like eating 90% of your diet as Twinkies and throwing in a little lettuce and hoping for the best. And we know that that is no way to have a healthy body. I'm just saying... This life is a marathon. You and I need endurance. And you will not get endurance eating Twinkies. You'll be as fluffy as a Twinkie. Thankfully, we don't need to do this on our own. And this is where the comparison totally breaks down. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God? Ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your, bo- in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Your temple, your body, if you are a saint, has Christ living inside of it. Your heart, you are the temple of God. Ephesians 2, verse 21, "...in whom the, all the body flitly joined together groweth up into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit." Th- of God through the Spirit. Now, This is taking two things and put it together. Your body, the saints that have Christ living in you, who has the Holy Spirit residing inside of you. God asked this group of believers to be a church, a body, fitly joined together in whom you're built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit to be the dwelling place of God. So brothers and sisters, you do not guard your heart alone. The Holy Spirit is there giving you nudges, giving you the desires that you need if you live for him. God is taking up residence there, giving you the strength to live above sin and Satan. I'd like to end with a story here. There was a little boy who many years ago was diagnosed with a severe heart defect. And this was before MRIs and CAT scans and other advanced technology. But his heartbeat was irregular, and he was not expected to live very long. His family happened to live in a small city, but it was home to one of the nation's most respected heart surgeons. This doctor was a crusty old character near retirement, and usually refused to work with children. But after hearing the pleas of the boy's mother and father, he finally conceded to take the, the youngster as a patient. After the examination, the old doctor knew that surgery was required and that it would be very risky. There was something badly wrong with the boy's heart. The old man told the boy, "'Son, I'm going to try to fix your heart.'" I will have to cut it open, but I'm not sure that, I, and I am not sure what I will find there. The boy brightened when he said this and said, Don't worry, when you cut open my heart, you'll find Jesus because he lives there. The surgeon was silent. Dealing with life and death on a daily basis, basis had embittered him horribly. He had long ago abandoned any pretense of faith. As they prepared for surgery, the doctor was determined that this little boy should understand what was happening. So he repeatedly warned him of the risks involved with this surgery. Each time, the boy smiled and said, Don't worry, when you cut my heart open, you'll find Jesus, because he lives there. In the process, the bitter old doctor began to have his own heart touched by this little boy. He was so very ill, but he was so happy. Why? Because Jesus lived there. On the day of the operation, just before they wheeled the boy into the operating room, the doctor tried one last time. He said, I want you to be brave because when I cut my, your heart open, I don't know what I'm going to find. Again, the boy beamed and said, don't worry, doctor. You'll find Jesus, because he lives there. After surgery, the doctor went to the waiting room to give some horrible news to the parents. The boy had died on the table, and he had been unable to save him. There were people of, They were people of great faith, but now they were extremely distraught. As the father grasped, grasped for something to explain what had happened, He asked the surgeon, Doc, when you opened his heart, what did you find? The hardened, cynical old man gave the slightest of smiles and said, I do believe I found Jesus. And for the first time in many years, his tears flowed also. Brothers and sisters, your heart is the seat of you, and Jesus wants to be there. God bless you. We have a song.